All right. So we're going to get started in just a second, but I wanted to add my thanks and just say thanks so much to the team who went out and, and did ministry at uh, Flowers. Uh, it turns out it was more than just Flowers. We had food left over, and I think we took it over to Southeastern Medical Center. Is that still the name of the hospital? They change it all the time, so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, also, uh, we had some people who had friends on the police force, and I, I think the state patrol as well, and so we made some phone calls here and there, so we, we made the opportunity to just connect with just about anybody we can, and listen, it was a tremendous success. It was not the first one, by the way, to the medical center. Diane, and I think Gay Lynn, and a few others had, had did something, and it was during COVID, though, so it was kind of low-key. I mean, not because we were ashamed of it, but just because there wasn't a whole lot of people here. And so they, they just took it upon themselves to do that, and it was, it was tremendous. And that was part of the, uh, the uh, desire to go out and do that again. And we're going to keep doing these. So if, you, if that something, did something to your heart and tugged on your heartstrings a little bit, there's so, like I, I, we say this all the time, there's so many different ways to serve. So just keep in mind that you don't have to be the people up there praying for people. If that scares you and you're not quite ready for that, um, I think you are prepared and you are qualified by grace. We preach into that all the time. But if you're just not ready for that, that's okay. And we're also going to do some training as we get more and more uh, uh, into this and get better at it. We're recognizing, getting feedback, and going, hey, how can we do this better? And so we're constantly growing and learning and getting better at it. But again, the goal is to see people's lives transformed. That's what we do here at DCF. We want to see lives transformed, and we see that happen by grace and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so often we connect with people in moments like those. We may not see them here this Sunday. We may not see them for a week or a month or a year or two or three. But I've been here 12 years, and we've done things like this and had people literally five years later walk into our services and go, um, I don't know if you know this, but when you guys did this, that touched my heart. And God was, he was talking to me, and I wanted to come and connect with him. And so I remembered you guys, and so I came here to DCF and connect. So just keep in mind, God's doing great things behind the scenes. You can be a part of that. Um, again, we do prep work. Uh, we have to do administrative stuff, flyers, all kinds of different things, graphics, social media. There's a ton of things that go on in the background. If you're good at those, and when we get ready to do these things again, I think we're doing it again this next quarter. Isn't that right? So, yeah, so um, anyway, so just be a part of it, sign up, and I'm just telling you, there's nothing more powerful than serving and seeing people's lives transform. It just does something inside of you. You were made for that, and so when opportunity arises, take that step of faith and step out and, and see what God will do through you. Amen? All right, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Mark Williams. Mark, won't you come up here while I, while I talk about you and embarrass you a little bit? Um, I'm going to try not to. So uh, Mark is preaching this morning. Mark, is, uh, Mark and Suzette are on our deacon team, so they've been part of our, our leadership team here for a while. We met Mark and Suzette, I think, maybe just about a year and a half ago. It hadn't been that long, and so I think he was probably, they were probably the fastest people to come on, on our deacon team at DCF in the last 12 years, and there's a reason for that. One, they're mature believers. He was a deacon at his last church, and when we, when we connected with them, now they live out in, not Enterprise, but on the other side almost to California. That's how far out they are. <laughs> and one of the things we notice about them and why it happened so fast is they made the decision to be part of everything we were doing at DCF. I mean, Wednesday night small groups, they were here. Any outreach, anything that we did, man, we would look up and these guys would be here. And we recognized how far they were coming and his work schedule sometimes. And so I went to him and I said, hey, listen, we love that you guys are doing this, but that's a long ways to drive. And they're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not something we don't know. We just love it here. We know God's called us here, and we're committed, and we're, we're, we're 100% all in. And I'm just excited about that because, again, all that did was open the doors 
and they did it. All we did was just recognize it, open the doors for who God called them to be, for them to serve in the capacity that they have, and it just keeps growing, and it's just amazing, and they're great friends. So now, as I introduce him, Mark has been a policeman. He is currently, and I'm gonna, I asked Suzette so I could get this right, currently a chief warrant officer for, he is the National Guard U.S. Army Reserve Liaison Team Instructor Pilot. Now, that's a lot of title for one man, but he... And that's a short one, okay. <laughs> he flies Lakotas and Blackhawks, probably not at the same time, but I wouldn't be surprised if he could. And then, again, he's, they were deacons here at DCF, but most of all, he is a constant stream of sunshine, and he's my friend. So let's pray for Mark, and he's going to preach for us. Jesus, we just say thank you so much for Mark and Suzette. Thank you for the call on their life. Lord, not just here at DCF, but the call that they have to the military, and just, Lord, leaning into pouring their heart and their lives out and witnessing to you, of you, Lord, to these young men and these people who are coming through the training programs out there at, at Fort Rucker. So, Lord, we just pray. Lord, we know your favor is all upon, always upon them and always upon Mark. So, Lord, we just pray, give him wisdom and insight and understanding and articulation this morning to share what's in his heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. I appreciate the... Uh, Warm introduction, but more than anything, I appreciate every one of y'all here. Um, I, after that worship set, th this could go one of two ways. I, I could be pretty much done, or, or it could be a while. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Rodney and worship team. And if y'all didn't notice, we had strings this morning. And that was awesome. Thank you so much for joining, Cassie. So I just want to start with how much I love the way God sets everything in order. Several months ago, I was having a conversation with Dave. Hell, you got to be careful around here. And I was sharing with him about something God had taught me quite a few years, about, years ago about how he wants me to hear him and to be in tune and listen to him. So I was sharing that, and he says, so when are you going to share that with the church? I really didn't give him any kind of answer. I was, you know, kind of, okay, maybe he, didn't, maybe he didn't notice I didn't answer that kind of thing. But then I got to thinking, you know, last year, Alan Mitchell, one of our elders, he got up here and he shared part of his story. Then, now, this was back well before we knew what David Woodham was doing on Easter. We didn't even know David Woodham was preaching Easter that, that time. And then David Woodham comes up here and shares the story of us. And then Diane, or Karen Hill shared part of her story. Diane shares part of her story. So when am I going to share that with y'all? Well, it'll be today, but hold on, because it's going to take a few minutes to get there to that part. Um... I do want to mention the great faith of our senior pastor, our senior elder, because not only has he had an attorney standing up here speaking, now he's got an army instructor standing up here speaking. This is a man of faith. So y'all can trust that he's seeking God, okay? Y'all can trust that. So as an army instructor, senior warrant officer, I'm really comfortable speaking to large groups of people. It's something that... I used to be scared to death about it, but I've gotten comfortable over the years because when you're addressing audiences with senior army leadership, you just get comfortable. And on a daily basis as that instructor pilot, 
we're teaching people about very weighty subjects, life and death subjects. But there's nothing more weighty than eternity. So I want to encourage y'all to really let it soak in. No one that stands up here takes this lightly. No one takes this lightly. We are all seeking God. God, what do you want us to share? God, I just want to be a mouthpiece. I want to speak whatever you have for whoever's in this place or watching online today. That's what I want to share. So let's back up to when I was young. I grew up in the church. I, I mean, if the doors of the church were open, I can almost guarantee you that we were there. I was baptized at a very young age in vacation Bible school at Central Baptist Church in Talladega, Alabama. But it was based in fear. There was no relationship. I, did, I wanted fire insurance. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I, there was no relationship involved. Again, when I was 18 or so, I was baptized into a denomination very legalistic. And um, again, fear, no relationship no submission to Jesus, no repentance of sin, just, oh, well, if I say this prayer, I get fire insurance. Well, it doesn't quite work that way, and y'all might have heard Dave say that a time or two. But um, throughout all this time, eternal seeds were being planted, just like Karen talked about in her young life. Eternal seeds were being planted. And I will share that a lot of those eternal seeds came in the form of the old hymns. I'll talk about that some more later. And, and now, that might be mostly applicable to people like me because I love music. God's made us all a certain way, and he's going to speak to us how we need. He's going to be unique to us. But um, as time's going on, I knew I was an imposter because those eternal seeds had been planted. And I'm hearing messages throughout that aren't lining up with what I'm seeing being taught and lived in the American church. And I knew I was an imposter. I knew I wasn't a Christian. But, well, let me just take a step back here because everyone kept telling me, no, you're saved. You said the sinner's prayer. You're saved, you're saved. Something I learned through the years, people who you view as wise, they may have some wisdom, but they may not have a clue what they're talking about in some areas. So let me share how I ended up being an Army helicopter pilot, because that has to do with a lot of wise people who didn't really know what they were talking about. As long as I can remember, my dream was to fly helicopters. Not necessarily the Army, but to fly helicopters. That was my dream. I went into uh, the junior ROTC program at Talladega High School and the 991st Medical Detachment, the reserve unit from Pell City, Alabama, came and did uh, orientation flights with us. On that orientation flight, that was when I knew I was going to be an Army helicopter pilot. I knew that was where I was going in life. I started sharing that. Now, for those of y'all who don't know, Talladega's not a military town. Talladega's a bump in the road about, what, 40 miles east of Birmingham? <laughs> right down the road from where Dave grew up. <laughs> it's literally not a, it's not a military town, but wise people 
kept telling me, oh, you'll never be able to do that. You don't, you don't qualify for that. So I just kind of repressed that dream, went on, started a career in law enforcement, and throughout high school working in my uncle's machine shop, working with my father in the uh, HVAC and appliance repairs, learned a lot of valuable skills that God, has, God blessed me in those things. He really did. But then years, several years pass, and I run into my uh, former senior ROTC instructor, Lieutenant Colonel Patrick J. Hubauer. I'll never forget him. He had major impacts in my life. But he says, so Mark, what are you still doing in Talladega? I thought you were going to be an Army helicopter pilot. So I shared with him what all the wise people had said. And he said, he was very gracious. He was a man of God. He was a godly man. He was very gracious, but he was also very blunt. He made it abundantly clear to me that even though those people might have some wisdom, there are things that people, adults, will say with conviction and confidence, and they don't have a clue what they're talking about because it's what they think they know. So what Colonel Hubauer told me was make the Army tell you no. If anyone's going to tell you no, make the Army tell you no. Long story short, I went to the recruiter. Oh, well, obviously the Army said yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so obviously the Army said yes. So, we've got that going. Now, let's fast forward. Suzette and I got married in 1994. Suzette, and when she read my initial notes... I put in there that I'd never seen anyone before with the calm assurance of her salvation that she demonstrated. But then I remembered, no, I had seen one more person before. And that was a, a warrant officer named Dell Schrader. Just brief history lesson. Um, so we were deployed together. We were, in the same, we were actually in the same platoon in the first Gulf War as Black Hawk pilots. And Dell had that same calm assurance that I later saw in Suzette. Because ours was a professional relationship and a casual friendship, I was able to repress the concern that his assurance brought up in me about myself. <laughs> um, what I didn't know until much later was Dell was actually a brand new Christian. But when God saved him, just like the song said, he turned his life upside down. Now, if, if none of y'all have ever heard the name Dell Schrader, most people haven't. He was shot down in Somalia eight days before the famous Black Hawk Down incident. He and another man, Perry Alleman. Now, through the years, I loosely kept touch with Dell. I've lost touch over the past few years. But when I became an aviation safety officer is when I met Perry Alleman. He, there's nothing quiet about his assurance. <laughs> he is loud and in your face. He, well, he's one of the local leaders of the Navigators who's a ministry to the Army. But Perry and Dell honestly thought they were going to die that morning, two or three o'clock in the morning. And Perry was severely injured. Dell was ambulatory, movable. He was about up and about, but seriously injured as well. 
I love his prayer that he prayed because his prayer was selfless. His prayer was, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't share Jesus with more people, but we're ready to come home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of person will make an impact on you. But Suzette and I got married in 1994. I mentioned that calm assurance that she had. I'd seen it once before, but with her, because the relationship was not casual, I was really getting worried about myself. Uh, ben, but now, I'm an imposter. I'm not saved at this point in 1994. But we're part of a pretty significant church in Enterprise, Alabama, when I was uh, stationed at Fort Rucker before. I was a Sunday school teacher. I also got involved with a small group of men who uh, were more real than any group of men I'd ever been around as far as godliness goes. The leader, I call him my Elijah, a guy named Ronnie Burke, he saw through me. He saw through me, but he was so gracious. He was so gracious. He loved me. But what I saw in Ronnie Burke was uh, I saw him living out Romans 12, 1 and 2. I saw him living that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Ronnie was living this out in front of me, and it was getting to me. Then one Sunday, I heard Mac Amos, the preacher at the church, which was irony itself, because this is a big highfalutin church, and he was about as redneck as I am. But Mac preached on a passage I had never read, and I had certainly never heard a Baptist preacher preach like this. Comes out of Matthew 7. You've heard Pastor Dave say this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness or iniquity, whichever version you're reading. Well, you can imagine that one really started getting to me. That one really started getting to me. I didn't know what to do with this. Now, I need to make something really clear right now. I'm sharing my story. I'm not saying that if you were baptized at a young age and you wondered or strayed that you were an imposter or a fake. I'm sharing my story. If that's the case, God's going to reveal that to you just like he did me, and he will show you exactly what you need to do. Don't think I'm telling you your story. I'm telling you my story. And we could go into C.S. Lewis on that one, but we will refrain. 
But um, so with Mac preaching that Matthew 7, with Ronnie living out Romans 12 in front of me and just living the gospel in general in front of me and demonstrating all this grace, Suzette, with her calm assurance of her salvation, well, there was one night in the bedroom. She, I, I still remember. She was in the, she was in the shower. We were getting ready to go somewhere, and uh, the only way I know, know to describe what happened next was uh, what it, what Elijah expressed in Isaiah, or not Elijah? Excuse me, <laughs> getting ahead there. What Isaiah expressed in uh, chapter six of uh, the book of Isaiah, and. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole verses 1 through 7. They'll be coming up on the screen. Most of us are probably familiar with it. But Isaiah had a vision, and he saw the Lord on his throne. He saw the holiness and the majesty of God. And he was undone. That's the, now, I'm not, I didn't see Isaiah's vision. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's the, the only way I can express it is God revealed his, himself as a holy and righteous God to me, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all that theology I had from all those years of study and information about God, all those years of hearing the Bible preached and taught, all of that, Especially Suzette's living out her assurance. Ronnie living out the gospel. Mac Amos hit me upside the head with Matthew chapter 7. All of that, it came crashing down at one time. And all, the only response I could see at that moment was to submit to the Lordship of Christ. And I did. To be perfectly honest, I don't remember much else about that night, but I knew at that moment I was a new creation on the inside. I knew it at that moment. Well, then I start sharing this. Let's go back to those wise people again. No, that's the devil trying to confuse you. You were saved. You're already saved. You said the sinner's prayer. You were baptized. Well... Good old Mac Amos. He shared with me 2 Corinthians 7.10. He shared with me 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief produces death. Well, I would share this with those wise people. They would continue, you just don't understand. Or they would just deflect and move on. Well, God showed me eventually that what was happening was I was challenging pretty much everything they thought they knew about the gospel with what happened to me. Most of us don't like those kind of challenges. When we believe something our entire life, even if it's wrong, we aren't real thrilled when we get challenged. Okay, so moving forward, now I'm a Christian. Now what? What do we do now? Well, driving to 
low army heliport. No, actually, Blackhawks were at Karen's then. So anyway, I'm driving to work one morning in the truck, and I'm praying. And I hear some words come out of my mouth that really rocked my world. Remember, childhood dream, fly helicopters. And what I heard come out of my mouth was, God, I don't want to fly for the Army anymore. What? Where'd that come from? Well, it came from God. He had a plan to move us and to really grow me. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you Suzette's story. I'm telling mine. He had a plan to move us and really grow me. So as things progress, we moved to a place some of y'all may have heard of it, Big Oak Boys Ranch up in Gadsden, Alabama. We were house parents there. As well as being house parents, I ended up uh, working with the equine program and then eventually over the equine program. And I studied because I had grown up with horses, but then when I was working with 30 of them, I realized I really didn't know anything. <laughs> that it was the grace of God that me and my cousins were alive with what we had done with those horses. <laughs> so I'm just being honest. So I realized I didn't know anything, so to speak. So I was studying this horse trainer named John Lyons. Now we're getting to what David wanted me to tell you. <laughs> oh, just gonna take a minute. And as a side note, John Lyons, you could not listen to him do a training seminar or symposium and not hear the gospel. His faith was loud and proud, but full of grace, so full of grace. Um, and John Lyons used to do a demonstration where he would take a horse, what we call green, not broken, not trained at all, and he would take this horse and put it in a round pen, which is exactly what it sounds like. We won't get too technical here. And he would take you through this process, and he would train this horse, completely unrideable. The only thing he'd been trained for was to wear a halter. So they had been trained that much. But this horse wouldn't lead well. It just wouldn't do well at all. Um, and he would show you how to take this horse from just completely green to a completely rideable horse to riding with no reins, no bit, no bridle, nothing. So that picture right there, you may notice that horse has no bit and bridle. And, and that gentleman is doing competitive riding. There's actually bridleless reining competition Feel free to Google it if you think I've lost my mind. Just feel free to Google it. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, back in the days before Christ, we'll get some history. I love history. There was a guy named Xenophon. Don't ask me to spell it. But Xenophon wrote, wrote the first treatise on training horses, training war horses specifically. Now think about the armament and the weapons in the days before Christ. They had shields and spears and swords. They didn't have time for reins for the cavalry, did they? They would go into war with no bridles on their horse. That's how well trained they were. 
So why am I talking about Xenophon? Well, because we know that we're told in Scripture in James, well, we even have to use the bit and bridle to control the big horse. Well, we, we have to use the bit and bridle because we ain't doing it right. <laughs> or not as well as we could. But his example is for something different anyway in James. So, as I'm watching one of these seminars with John Lyons, God says, go to the arena and do that with Buddy. Buddy was a big Palomino quarter horse. Buddy was an awesome horse, but he was a jumper. He was a jumping horse. And I had to take Buddy from being a horse that every time he came across a tree in the trail or a creek crossing, I had to get him to where he would walk across over that tree or walk through that creek because all he knew was I jump over. That's what he had been taught. And the first few times I took Buddy on the trail, we'd come to an obstacle and he'd, get, he'd be getting himself set up to jump and I'd be reining him back a little. He would look at me like, what is wrong with you? Horses are amazing. God has taught me more about relationship through horses than almost anything other than my wife. So, but horses are truly amazing. Horses want to cooperate. These big, powerful animals want to cooperate with us. And they will cooperate, but their communicative style is very different than ours. So we have to take time and figure out how that horse is understanding. We have to adjust how we communicate to what they understand. At the same time, guess what the horse is doing? He's adjusting how he communicates to what we're doing. Okay? Some people might see an analogy coming. I don't know. It might not be very obvious. So I go out to the arena with Buddy. Now, up in Gadsden, Alabama, it really isn't much cooler than it is here in July and August. This was about midday in, uh, in August, and it's hot. I get Buddy tacked up. And I start off, I'm going to give a brief explanation of the process. Buddy's already a trained horse. He knows what to do. So I start off with uh, what we call a training bridle and training reins. We won't go into details because it doesn't matter. But I'd start off with, if I wanted Buddy to turn left, I would lay the right rein on the right side of his neck and just gently pull the left rein. Once his head moved, I would release the pressure. Then we would move from that to, I would lay the rein on the left side of his neck. Once his head moved to the left, I would release the pressure. So... You've seen some, may have seen some horse training that was really exciting. Now, it's really boring. <laughs> it's really, really boring until you see what is happening. Then you're like, oh my goodness. Wow. So we go through this process, and eventually I lay the rein on the right side of his neck, and he starts walking off to the left just like I wanted him. Now we do it to the right. Now we start trying to get him to move, walk forward, 
to walk backwards. We're doing all this. Hours later, I hear the Lord say, all right, put the reins down. Okay. I lay the reins down on the, uh, on the saddle horn. And the Lord says, all right, ride the horse. I'll go ahead and share one of my uh, common prayers. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> Just being honest. So, I, no reins. Reins laying over the saddle horn. I put my hand out over, the, over Buddy's neck and right in front of the saddle horn. I move my hand forward. And there goes Buddy, walking. I'm like, what just happened? I've watched John Lyons do it. Well, that's John Lyons. He's a horse whisperer. In that moment, here's what God said. That's how I want you to hear me. I want you to be so sensitive to my movement, to my voice, that you sense, if I just move my hand, you sense the change and you know exactly what I'm asking. That blew me away. That blew me away. Well, as with everything God teaches, <laughs> he, he kind of verifies it with some scripture. And he um, kind of took me to, and Jeremy, you don't have this one, so don't worry about it. <laughs> took me over to 1 Kings, I think it's in 18... And um, where uh, Elijah had just killed 400 prophets of Baal. And then the next chapter, he hears that Jezebel's coming to get him. And what did Elijah do? He took off a running. He went running for cover. He's out in the desert under a tree, falls asleep, and the angel comes to him and says, Hey, here's this food, eat it. You need strength for the trip. Wakes him up again, hey, here's this food, eat it. You need strength for the trip. And I believe it was a little 40-day trek they went on. Hmm, 40 days, wonder where that came from. Uh, we'll see that later in the Bible too. But anyway, now Elijah's in a cave. And the Lord says, hey, what are you doing here? Now, in the cave, he's where God brought him. God brought him to the cave. In the desert, he was running. Killed 400 prophets of Baal. Now he's scared of Jezebel. God had just demonstrated himself, his righteousness, his justice, his power in ways that I can't imagine. But now Elijah's running. God gets into the cave. And y'all might remember the story here. Elijah's listening for God's voice. And there's a strong wind. Some translations even say it was crushing rocks. God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. Excuse me, there was a fire. God was not in the fire. Then there was a still, small voice. Some translations say a whisper. And Elijah immediately knew God was in that. He knew that was God speaking to him. God doesn't want to speak harshly to us. 
God's called us into relationship, into freedom. He's called us to come boldly before his throne, okay? Boldly before his throne. And he welcomes us. I think about King David. You don't have this one either. I told you my notes were going to change a little. (laughs) I think about King David just in two little chapters. In Psalm chapter 30, King David saying, In my prosperity, I'll never be moved. (laughs) One chapter later, he's like, God, where are you? Everybody hates me. In my grief, I'll never be moved. Wait, I don't know what the time frame was, but that's a pretty stark contrast. Here's what I love about David, though. See, I can relate to David. Sometimes I think, David, you sure are a crybaby. Well, yeah. But God wants us to be real with him. He wants us to be real. Because, look, reality is. Reality is not. Sometimes what we think or feel aligns with reality. But God has established reality, and it is. What I feel is reality, what I perceive is reality, what I think is reality, sometimes is based on what I'm walking through at the moment. So David had a, had a uh, I guess we could call it a skill, a trait, a quality that I want. When he saw things were just awful, he would tell God, this is awful, but... But he always finished with your God. I mean, I'm just summarizing here. You're God. I'm not. I trust you. And because of that, he was after God. He was a man after God's own heart. So God wants that relationship. He wants that relationship with us. We can have that relationship. But now let's go back to Romans 12 here. We'll go New Living Translation this time. We already read it, but I'm going to read it out of this translation again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so, Paul just spent 11 chapters telling us how things were before Christ and how things are after. And because of all that, give yourself to God. All he's done, because of that, give yourself to God. Don't copy the world. That can be difficult, can't it? But if we copy the world, we're going to have issues hearing God. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. We, we could preach for a, for a long time on this one. But we're going to be brief about it. Let God transform you by changing the way you think. 
That's what was happening with Buddy the Palomino and I. I was changing the way he thinks. He was changing the way I, okay, God was changing the way I think. But using this horse that some of us call big dumb animals. Now, horses, in my view, God will reveal himself to us through those big old animals. He did me. So, change the way you think. We're going to spend time in God's word. We're going to spend time with God's people. I know, well, you know, we're all busy. We're all busy. But you know what? Pretty much every one of us have one of those little smarty phones. We can download a Bible app. And then I, I, hear, pe I hear people all the time talking, yeah, but that's not the same. It's getting God's word into you. What God has given us so many amazing resources to hear from him. We tend to say, oh, well, the Internet, that's bad. The Internet's not good or bad. What we do with it, that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. Um, you know, I recently saw a book, and when I say recently, it was actually two weeks ago today. I saw the advertisement for a book when we were in Talladega for Mother's Day. And uh, the title of this book was, When You Don't Know What to Pray, Pray this. That annoyed me. That annoyed me because God's word says the spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for our understanding. What I have discovered is when I don't know what to pray, many times I just need to listen. I used to hear, uh, I don't remember where it came from, but I heard an old preacher say, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a good reason. We need to listen to him twice as much as we thought. But that's analogy. It's not fact. But if I don't know what to pray, I might need to just be listening. And I'll share, I've already shared one of my most common prayers. Lord, you, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Another one of my most common prayers is simply, Lord, you know, I ain't got a clue right now. But I also pray uh, something that King David prayed over in the 139th Psalm. Lord, search me. Try my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any way in me that's not pleasing to you, and then you lead me in the way everlasting. Here's what I've learned, or one of the many things I've learned if people that have studied God's Word and even can read the original text can be led astray, I'd better believe I can be led astray if I'm not seeking God and what do you want? We've been invited to relationship. You know, I want it before I, before I give it back to Dave or Karen, I want to say something to those of you in the house or online. Some of you were truly saved when you were a child. We get all the time, we're hearing people telling stories of miraculous stories of salvation, people being delivered from this or that. I want to encourage you 
Share your story. So oftentimes, it, it can, it's easy to get deceived in thinking, well, my story isn't important. Your story is imperative because your story, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it started with godly parents. Your story is you received the inheritance the Lord wants you to have. I didn't have the words for that until Dave helped me the other day. You receive the inheritance the Lord wants us to have. Share that story. For those of you who were saved later, now you have the opportunity to pass that inheritance to your children so God can keep them from all the junk that we went through. I just want to leave you with that. Tell your story, whether it's up front, whether, you know, the leadership asked you to do it up front or not, I don't know. But tell your story. There's power in what God has done in your life. There is power in what God has done in your life, whether you were lost on the streets and didn't know where your next meal was coming from, or whether you've been walking with God as long as you can remember. There's power in that story. Thank you all for your time. I think it's interesting that um, Diane shared a story about sheep and uh, Mark shared a story about horses and how God uses, how God has used animals. It's interesting that that came out two different people. Um, Karen didn't share so much about you know, how God has used animals in her life outside of me, maybe, to tell, <laughs> to tell the story. <laughs> but, here, <laughs> yeah, but here's my point. Every, every story is different. You know, that's the beautiful thing about God. Um, I remember in Bible college, I, I, I was disturbed by a lot of things when I went through Bible college. A lot of, you know, God, I see this in Scripture, and then we're not doing it in the, in the American church. And I see this in the church, and we're not, and we're not doing it. You know, we don't see that in the Scripture. And, and the incongruity, it, it just bothered me, and, and rightfully so. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we're recognizing is that, that God's story in another person's life, we, don't, we have no idea. It's similar to ours. You know, it's going to involve salvation. But too often what we've, what we've been bound up is in, a, is in a culture of rules and regulations, right, that comes from preaching the law. And again, nothing wrong with the law. The whole point behind the law was not to save you. The Bible goes into tremendous detail about how the law can never save you. It can't. So the rules and regulations will never save you, but they are important. The law is important in this, that it shows you your need for a Savior. That when I've tried to do this in my own strength, I cannot. And it, it leads me to the end of myself, which is Mark's story and Diane's story and my story and Karen's. And, and if you're a believer this morning, it's your story too. And we come to this place where we realize that what God has been after all along was not a relationship built through rules and regulations, but the rules and regulations was to show me that I did not have a relationship with him. And his heart for me is, I want to know you. That's his heart. His heart is, I want to know you. Think about this for a second before, as, as I kind of wrap this up. When Jesus went to the cross, he was the only one who'd lived the law perfectly. That qualified him to be the sacrifice for all of our sins. We understand this if we've been around church at all. But what's amazing about that is he is the only one who was 100% right. And all of us were all wrong. So if it were about right and wrong, we lose. 
understand that. We just lose. And so often I found myself caught up in right and wrong, in whether it's politics, whether it's conversation with someone who doesn't know the Lord or someone who's struggling with some, something about Scripture or, or a challenge in their life. I, I find myself wanting to be right rather than wanting to love. And I just want to challenge us that that's not how God is. His heart has been, I know you're wrong. <laughs> you're 100% wrong. You're so wrong, there's no right in you, right? Which is why I paid the price so you could be with me. And this is, a, I, want to, I just want to wrap it up with this scripture. I read this this morning. I thought that was interesting that, that you know, Mark shared this this morning. But I read this this morning, my daily reading. It's, um, sorry, John 14, 23. And I've read this many times. I remember what I thought it meant. And he was talking about having your mind transformed. And how God subtly comes after you and teaches you something different. What you thought you knew because of rules and regulations and maybe, you know, some hard legalism that came before for well-meaning people with tremendous wisdom, but didn't know what they were talking about. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. You know what I thought that said? I thought it said, anyone who obeys my teaching, I will love. And I'll bet you did too. And that's not what the gospel is. And so this morning, again, it's very simple. We, we, don't, you know, we don't have to play music behind us and get you in the mood. <laughs> right? I mean, nothing wrong with that. It's God uses music. He, he even talked about that. What this is about is a, a revelation of who God really is, not everything someone has said about Him. When you, when you recognize this, this, this revelation of the goodness and the kindness and the mercy and the love of God to come after you, to search after you, to, to, to his, for His Son, His only Son, for His life to be laid down, so that you could be back into relationship with your Father. That is the beauty of the gospel. And that's what God is longing for. He's saying, I want to know you. And the way, the only way you can get to know God is not through trying to obey all the rules and regulations so that you could have a relationship with God. It's understanding that Jesus, He, he lived perfectly all the rules and regulations so you don't have to. And here's what's interesting. It does say, and he read this about Romans, we don't conform ourselves to the world, because listen to it again. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. See, the motivating factor is I'm not going to try to love God, or, or sorry, to serve God and obey God to get him to love me. What I realize in the gospel is because he has loved me, it changes my heart, and it enables me to obey, the God, obey everything that God intended for me. But the motivation is not from fear. Mark mentioned that. The motivation is from love. And so I want to challenge you this morning. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I know some of us have heard these things a million times and all these you know, ways to say it, that you've, you've got to pray the sinner's prayer. My sinner's prayer was, Lord, I've tried everything else. I may as well give you a shot. That's a horrible sinner's prayer. Right? You try to study the theology. There isn't any theology in that prayer. But I meant it from the bottom of my heart, and God met me there. Because the truth was, he was already there. I just had to come to that place. And when that happened, the growth in the learning process, the curve for me, was I've discovered all along that God's love and his kindness and his mercy is what enables me to obey everything that he's called me to, to be. And then I see in him the love and the kindness and the goodness that he wants to pour out, not just in my life, but through my life into the lives of others. And that's what the church is all about. 
So I want to invite you, if you will stand with me as, close, as we close, and I want to invite you, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe, you know, this, the story of us has also been your story. We heard the big story with David Woodham about the big story of God and all, all that just massive, massive story. And we've heard tons of stories about how his story connects with your story, with Karen and Diane and, and now with Mark. And I want to challenge you and ask you this. What, what's your story? Is your story going to be separate? Is it going to be independent from God? Is it going to be, I can do it myself, I can make my own way? Or, I, I don't trust God because I've seen bad religion and I've seen all those things. What, where is it that your story begins to interact and, and connect and cross into God's story? And the truth is, His story has been made available to change your story. So I just want to pray this morning. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and it's time. Jesus said, count the cost. He didn't say, like Mark mentioned, he didn't say just pray a prayer because praying a prayer is not magic. It's not an incantation. It's not how it works. It's a truth that comes from your heart that says, I'm ready to lay down all of my sin and make this great exchange, my sinfulness, my brokenness, my hurt for God's kindness and his goodness and for his salvation and for his righteousness. And then the Bible says that he gives me his righteousness as a gift. I can't earn it. And if that's you this morning, as I pray and we close, just pray that prayer and invite Jesus into your life. But don't do it unless you really mean it. Don't do it unless you're ready to say, Jesus, I want to follow after you, and it's time. I want to make that decision. I want to know you, and I know that the only way I can know you is through your son. So if that's you, pray this prayer with me, and then I'm also going to pray a prayer over us as believers, and we're going to go have lunch, but not at for God's chicken, because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, so you're going to have to pick something else. <laughs> but let me pray this prayer. So Jesus, Lord, first of all, thank you. Thank you for Mark and Suzette, Lord. Thank you for the story of, of his life and their life, Lord. Um, Suzette's calm assurance of her salvation, Lord. We all see that if we know her at all. So thank you, Lord, for that beautiful, beautiful testimony of how you work in people's lives, Lord. And I pray this morning that that's touched the hearts of people in this room and also online, Lord. And that you have prepared their hearts for this day. And so, Lord, as, as I just introduced this prayer, that there would be salvations this morning. There would be transformation, Lord. There would be renewal and brand new hearts that would come about from this morning and this word that, that Mark's preached. And so if you're here this morning and you just want to just keep your eyes closed, and if you want to just give your life to Jesus, it's a simple prayer. Like I said, it's not elaborate. Just say this. Lord, I give you my life. I lay down my life, and I give you my life. I take up your life in place of that. Lord, now I'm going to live my life through you. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid for all of my sin on the cross and that you now have exchanged my sin for your righteousness and your good standing with the Father. And so, Jesus, I love you and my heart is to serve you and obey you from a place of love, not a place of fear. I receive you as my Savior I receive you, Lord, as my Father. I want to walk with you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you're a believer and you're struggling with relationship with God, maybe it's time you move out of rules and regulations and you really get into an intimate place with God. Really recognize that God, when He sees your sinfulness, He doesn't see that anymore if you're a believer this morning because Jesus paid the price for that. You are qualified to come boldly, the Bible says, before the throne of grace for help 
in time of need. If that's you this morning, you're just like, Lord, I want to know you. I want to understand what's going on like King David. I want to be honest about where I am. But at the same time, I'm trusting you for transformation and change in my life. Would you just pray with me if you're a believer this morning? And I I just want to pray over you. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would give us wisdom and insight. Lord, that we would come to know you in the way, Lord, that you designed us to know you, that it would be intimate. Lord, that we would not, we would recognize that our sin, Lord, you said our sin, you no longer hold against us because of what Jesus did on the cross. So, Lord, thank you that your mercy and your kindness and your grace, it goes before us, Lord, and you have qualified us to walk in in great and wonderful things, Lord, to walk in the good works that you have prepared for those who love you. So, Lord, we just release that over everybody's life right now this morning, Lord. And, Lord, we say turn it around. Lord, cause intimacy to come. Lord, let it let fear be removed, Lord, and let love be replaced in, in, or in its place, Lord, that people would come to know you for the goodness and the kindness and the merciful God that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we would love to pray for you. Our ministry team will be up here to pray for you. If not, we love you guys and have a great week and we'll see you next weekend.